Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us here this evening. Thank you for keeping this building open, this church of ours, this place where we can worship in peace and quiet, Father. Thank you for truth that sets us free. Thank you for agitating our souls with it, Father, so that we don't become complacent or deceived by sin itself, Father. We thank you for times like this to get together as family, to break bread, and just to be recharged. We do pray for those in the congregation that can't be here this evening, and we pray for those that are still lost. We are most grateful and thankful, of course, for your son's work, our Lord and Savior, on the cross to cancel out that debt and to make an evening like this a time to rejoice in. We just ask for your blessings on this evening's message. It may be edifying for our souls. We ask this in Jesus Christ's precious name. By the power of the Spirit, we do pray. Amen. Again, part 72 of Proverbs 17, Wisdom. If I'm rubbing my eye, it's because I, I don't know what's going on. My right eye, I think maybe the tear duct or something is clogged. These The allergies are death out there, huh? It's like 9.9 .9 out of 10 right now. So, and my voice is shot as a result as well. So just bear with me. Um, we live in a world that specializes in deceit. And that's our life, right? A world that specializes in deceit. And by definition, let's face it, deceit doesn't exactly make itself known. It's kind of like by definition, it hides out. And so you have to take an active role in seeking the truth lest you fall into the trappings of deceit. So you have to take a, an active role to your own benefit. Strangely, though, not really, I suppose, some people want to be deceived because, you know, it's, um, it's easier, quote-unquote, to live a lie than to live in the truth. So some people actually don't seek the truth at all Matter of fact, they kind of choose or they want to be deceived because they believe that life would be easier, living a lie. But as the Spirit's been teaching us for years up here on the board, ignoring the truth never changes it. You're better off facing the truth head on and dealing with the consequences, whether good or bad. It's better to just know the truth. It may be painful, it may hurt, it may sting. It may not sting at all. It may be the most encouraging thing you've ever heard. That can happen too. But the truth is immutable. It doesn't change. And, you know, choosing to ignore it or to live in a life of wanton deceit it never changes it. It is what it is. And so you're better off just facing the truth head on and dealing with the consequences, whether good or bad. And this is very encouraging because, as I just alluded to, deceit survives in darkness, keeping itself out of the light. The last thing deceit wants is to have light shined on it. 
because then it would be extinguished. That's the very nature of the relationship between light and darkness. So as we've learned many times in the past, the wonderful thing about the light is that darkness is truly powerless against it. Darkness, as far as darkness is concerned, is powerless against the light. Light always wins in the battle with darkness, even in the physical realm, which is why it's such a beautiful analogy in the spiritual realm, because light always wins. Go to John 1, verse 4. John 1, 4. Light always wins. You know what I find really encouraging? That group of three kids over there. Right? Whoa, 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 easy now. Their heads are going to get all big. It's hard being a kid now. Isn't it, guys? Yeah, they're like, yep. Not always easy going to church, so we all appreciate seeing you. I know sometimes you don't want to be here. I get it. DJ's like that, too. <laughs> John 1.4 In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Why? Up here on the board. When light shines into darkness, light always wins. It's literally... The truth of the matter, light always wins. Always. If you are deceived, even if you don't know exactly how, you just know something's awry, then keep taking in the light. Just keep taking it in, the Word. And any darkness in you will be exposed and defeated, assuming you remain humble in receiving said truth, said light. But that's the encouragement here this evening. Some of you, we all are deceived in some way, shape, or form or another. We know something's awry. We don't know exactly. We can't put our thumb on it necessarily. We kind of, you know, we're just uncomfortable about certain this or that. And so on faith, we just keep taking in the Word of God. We just say, Lord, this is up to you. This is your problem to solve. You made me. Uh, you put me in this life I'm living. And I started out in darkness. And even though you saved me, which I'm forever grateful for, still trodden around down here, um, you know, with some blinders on and with some issues I'm dealing with. And he just says, just keep taking in the Word of God. It's what I, it's what I tell every person who's ever come to me ever with a problem. I say, no matter what, even if, I said, just don't quit. No matter what, just don't quit. Just keep, you know, even if it's baby steps, just put one foot in front of the other. That's it. You know, some days you're running, the next day you're doing the shuffle step like you're 150 years old. But you just keep going. That's the whole point. Why? Because the light always wins. So let's read a little more in the Gospel of John where John reveals 
the detriment of human nature to itself, go to John 3.19. John 3, verse 19. <clears throat> now, the fact that light always wins is a known fact in the world, in the cosmos. John 3.19, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. And people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. And so they said, I don't want the light because it's going to expose me. So I don't really want to know the light because I'm going to be exposed. And so people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But... Whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Again, the point on the board, when light shines into darkness, light always wins. Always. And even the people who don't want it know it. And so they say, I don't want to go near the light because I will be exposed. My deeds will be exposed. And so there are massive amounts of people in this world that don't go anywhere near the light. Definitely don't want to open up a Bible because it'll shine light in their life and they don't like what it reveals. So light always wins. Again, if you are deceived, even if you don't know exactly how, then keep taking in the light the word and any darkness in you will be exposed and defeated, assuming you remain humble in receiving said truth. So this evening's encouragement right out of the gate is to walk in the light. To walk into the light. Walk in the light. Stay in the light. Do everything in your power, anything human po humanly possible, to keep the light on you in the in the experiential sense go to John 8:12 John 8 verse 12 Jesus gives us some advice on how this happens right well how does this happen John 8:12 again Jesus spoke to them saying I am the light of the world Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. So you say, well, how do I keep the light on me? How do I stay in the truth? You follow Jesus. And Jesus Christ, this is him. He was the word incarnate. If you want to follow Jesus, you follow his book. You follow this book, right? So... As difficult as it may seem to be sometimes, we are nonetheless called to walk in the light. And so there's a real practical reminder here. We are called to walk, not just talk, not just even showing up for church. That is part of your walk. But it cannot end there. It can't be you being religious even about things 
Well, I go to church whenever it's open and I read all the blogs. Um, great. I read my Bible. That's awesome. It's wonderful. It's incredible. But how's your walk? How's your walk? And so there's a real practical reminder here to not just learn the truth or even humbly receive it, but also to walk in it. To walk in it. Remember, there's a big difference between knowing the truth and walking in it. For example, I mean, I know that fruits and vegetables are good for my body, but is that enough to keep me healthy? To know that fruits and vegetables are good for my body? Is that enough to keep me healthy? Healthy? Nope. I have to consume and digest said food. Right? It has to nourish me. Just like the Word of God has to nourish you. Has to help you. Has to get you up in the morning. Has to keep you walking. Ambulating. However you'd like to think about it. Mobile. Moving. Sanctified. All of that stuff we've been learning for years now. It has to become you. It has to become part of you. It has to become part of your DNA, if that makes sense. Not just intellectual assent or intellectual um, prowess or intellectual or just knowledge. It has to become you. And so you have to digest it so that you can walk in these things and not to be um, insensitive, but this is how I thought of it up here on the board. Spiritual bulimia. It's not enough to consume and even enjoy the meals you receive from this ministry. If you vomit the truth out of you as soon as you leave this church, you gain nothing but increased responsibility to the Lord for what you've been taught. You actually took a step backwards. If you leave here and you just vomit the truth out, you just say, you know what, I heard it, but I don't like it, I reject it, I don't want it. Well, you know what? You're now held responsible to it. So it's like you, you didn't even go, you didn't even go, you didn't even stay neutral. You went backwards. Because now you're held responsible to something that you were taught. And you rejected it. So the bar went higher, but you actually went down. And so they, that's a good way to think about it. It's not enough to consume and, and even enjoy the meals you receive from this ministry, from this pulpit, for example. If you vomit the truth out of you as soon as you leave this church, you gain nothing but an increased responsibility to the Lord for what you've been taught. As I've said in the past, I believe this is why lots of people actually stop going to Orthodox Bible churches like this one. They will literally up and stop. Why? It's because the truth is too condemning. They'll make up myriad excuses as to why they've stopped. Um, but the truth is, it's too condemning. It's too convicting for them, for their human sensibilities. It's not. But to them in their deception, in their desire to hide in the darkness, to wantonly be deceived, they reject and they leave and they say, I don't want that anymore. However, remember, once a person's heard the truth, 
the Holy Spirit has something to convict them with. That's part of the problem for them. Because now the Spirit says, you heard that, right? Yep. Well, now we need to have a little chat. Because I'm your true teacher, and I know you heard it, and I know you understand it, because I made you understand it. Now we have to have a little chat. And that's when the games begin. The Holy Spirit will work with the human conscience to pressure a person to do what's right. Which, as we can all attest, means making life a little less comfortable in many ways. Or sleep a little more fleeting. Remember from our recent messages that this kind of pain is actually good. You don't want to sleep at night if you're rejecting God, the Holy Spirit's conviction in your life, do you? I mean, you kind of do if you're rejecting Him. You're like, maybe I can just sleep this pain away or sleep this conviction away. So what some people do to attempt to alleviate the pain is they'll find excuses for things like, you know, why they can't go to church that teaches the cold, hard truth from the Holy Bible. I'm, I'm speaking from experience here. This isn't me making stuff up. It happens all the time. All the time. People just make up, they decide they can't take it anymore, so they make up an excuse. That's basically what happens. It's not a godly excuse, but it's an excuse that some people accept. Not me. I know the truth of it. Discernment tells me it. But people will make up an excuse. Why? Because they walk away too convicted all the time. And such conviction carries with it the weight of suffering. It's that simple. And if they don't walk away, if they just sort of hang in there for a while, they sadly often do as the point on the board says. They become spiritual bulimics. Again, up here on the board, it's not enough to consume and even enjoy the meals you receive from this ministry if you vomit the truth out, out of you as soon as you leave this church, you gain nothing but increased responsibility to the Lord for what you've been taught. And so the Bible there's a reason the Bible uses that phrase, do not be deceived, a multitude of times for a reason. Do not be deceived. It's because it's really easy to be deceived. It's really easy because the world will leave you alone. You hide out in the darkness. What's the world do? Okay, I'm good with that. As long as you're not advancing, as long as you're not bringing glory to God, the world will release Right? And that's why you got to keep an eye, we'll get to this in a moment, but that's why you got to keep an eye on your little ecosystem of friends. Because a real friend would be like, where are you going? A friend of the world would be like, hey, all right. I didn't like you when you were going to church. I like when you don't go to church. I don't, I don't like when you talk about Jesus. I, I like when you don't talk about Jesus. So anybody who doesn't challenge you, when you start making poor decisions about your relationship with Christ, is not really your friend. 
or at least they're not acting like it. So it's really easy to be deceived, especially when you've got an ecosystem of people around you that live in darkness. Because they don't want you to be in the light because now you become convicting a conviction in their life. You become a reflection of what's good. And they don't like that. In fact, the God of this world, Satan, has designed the world's system of thinking to lead you away from the truth any way it can. One of the favorite topics here from this pulpit is media. Media is a perfect example of this. All forms of media have been infected, it's probably safe to say controlled even, by the God of this world. You know, I was thinking about that. It's funny because it doesn't even matter what's in the news today. Because today it's one thing, you know, today it's something here, tomorrow it's something there. Sometimes you agree with it, sometimes it might be a godly thing, sometimes it's another. But as long as it, deserve, it serves as a distraction, the God of this world is satisfied. As long as whatever it is that's got your attention for the time being, as long as it serves as a distraction, who cares then, right? As far as the God of this world is concerned, he doesn't care. I mean, he, he knows the Bible better than we do. He'll use stuff that looks really close to the real thing. He'll use all kinds of tricks just to distract you. Think about it. Is it fair to say that most people turn on their televisions or watch YouTube or comb through social media posts to, quote, distract themselves? Right? I mean, in other words, they, do they really sit down there, oh, I gotta, gotta do this. You know what I mean? I gotta watch television. I'm gonna pay so hard attention to this television program. I'm gonna really, really, I'm gonna study this YouTube video. Oh, no, uh, I'm gonna really pay attention to social, no. They go there to be distracted. It's just enough of a superficial exercise that they're just distracted. I think that's fair. Most people, most people will turn on their television when they go in the house. They don't even know what they're turning on. They just hit the on button so that it starts the, the noise, right? Is it fair to say that a lot of people do not face the facts about their own lives? or the state that they're in? Is it fair to say that there, there's such a thing as a welcome distraction? Anybody ever heard that saying before? Oh, such a welcome distraction. There's such a welcome distraction. So here's my challenge to you, and please think about this long and hard up here on the board. Why would you ever want to be distracted from the truth? Why would you ever want to be distracted from the truth? That's a fair question. Well, some of you might say, well, it's because the truth is just too painful to bear. I go to church, it hits me right here, and it's just too painful. Or I open up my Bible and it hits me right here, and it's just too painful. Well, I guess God's a liar then. 
up here on the board. 1 Corinthians 10.13 in the Amplified reads, No temptation, regardless of its source, has overtaken or enticed you. That is not common to human experience, nor is any temptation unusual or beyond human resistance. But God is faithful to his word. He is compassionate and trustworthy. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability to resist. But along with the temptation he has in the past and is now and will always provide the way out as well so that you will be able to endure it without yielding and will overcome temptation with joy. So why would you ever want to be distracted from the truth? We are called to abide in the truth. That's a command, right? That's what God's desire is for us. To miss the mark is what we call a sin. You know what's the right thing to do and you don't do it? James 4.17 says it's a sin. You know you're supposed to take in the word of God and you don't because it's too painful. You avoid the light like the plague because it's too convicting. I guess you don't believe God. I guess God's a liar. I guess he really can't rescue out of that temptation. So there goes that excuse. I guess unless we want to call out God as a liar, then we've got to throw out our excuses as to why we can't face the truth head on. We have to throw all our excuses out. So I go back to the poignant question still on the table up here on the board. Why would you ever want to be distracted from the truth? The truth is that a lot of people, even so-called Christians, spend the vast majority of their free time distracting themselves from the truth about themselves, <laughs> about their lives, their habits, their friends. spend a lot of time distracting themselves, finding new ways to distract themselves. That's what I see. That's what I see in this world. I see a lot of people that do a lot of things, and when one thing gets boring or it stops being a distraction, they just find some other activity that keeps their attention drawn away from the light, from the truth. Because to them, the truth is just too painful. So they just find a variety of new ways to remain distracted. And media is arguably the best place to start. Right? There's always a new show on. There's always a new YouTube video. There's always some rant on social media. Right? There's always something willing to grab your attention, designed to grab your attention so that you can willingly distract yourselves. And this is why Paul wrote the way he did. For example, go to Ephesians 5.7. Ephesians 5.7. Paul had the same heart that I do right now. He wanted people to see things as, it, as they were. I call it see it all as truth, right? We've been saying that for a decade. Just learn to see it all as truth. 
And that starts with you. Don't find ways to distract yourself from yourself. Look for the truth. Ephesians 5, 7. Therefore, do not become partners with them. Don't. I mean, that's darkness. They live in darkness. You don't join them in darkness. You invite them to the light. You don't succumb. You don't compromise. Do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk. You see, that's the, the movement. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord, not your friends. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead what? Expose them. In other words, take an active role even in turning the light on so that darkness is exposed. Instead of running with the devil's own, you ought to be exposing them. Instead of avoiding facing the truth, you ought to be doing what is healthy for you as a believer in Christ. Instead of taking part in the works of darkness, you ought to be taking a good long look at your life, your friends, your habits, your routines, your media access, etc., and so on and so forth. In other words, your life. Instead of partaking with those who abide in darkness, you should take a good long look at every aspect of your life. You ought to be looking across the landscape of your entire life and assessing it against the truth in the Word of God. And do not make excuses for yourselves. Do not make excuses for yourselves. And don't architect. We're, we're so foolish. We architect outcomes. You know what I mean by that? We, we architect outcomes in such a way that we have plausible deniability. Do you know what I'm getting at? We put ourselves, it's like the person who says, I don't know how I ended up in that guy's bed and had the walk of shame after I was drunk. You knew you were going to get drunk, and you knew you were going to go to the bar, and you knew you would end up being a hoe, and you'd end up walking home the next day. But I was drunk. You architected plausible But I was drunk. Oh, does that alleviate something? Oh, you were drunk, so that makes it okay. We architect outcomes in such a way that we can at least publicly maintain some plausible deniability. Does that make sense? We're smart like that. We say, I don't, I don't know how it happened. Right? I fell down, the cookie just fell over, and a cookie went in my mouth. <laughs> you know what I'm getting at? Like, we architect stuff so that when anybody presses us, we say, that was not my intention. You mean there was like a 2.5% opportunity that the outcome wasn't going to happen, but you're going to claim that as plausible deniability? Pretty much. 
long as I have something to point to, some excuse. Are you following me now? Right? I'm the only jerk in here that's done stuff like that. One of the most distasteful tactics a person uses, in my experience, especially in the last decade of my life, is finding a pastor or a church that, quote, suits them, even though the truth isn't at a premium in that, for that pastor or that church. Why? The reason is twofold. Here's what I've discerned. One, it allows them to avoid being convicted with the truth. And that's what the Spirit's been bringing out this evening. Well, if the guy doesn't teach the truth, then I won't be convicted at least. And, you know, I can sleep at night, or I think I can. My friends who disagree with truth as well won't haunt me over the things I'm doing that are correct. So that's point number one. Point number two, this is the insidious one. This is the architecting an outcome one. It gives them a built-in excuse as to why they haven't been walking in the light. Because, oh, woe is me, I've been misled. It was the guy behind the pulpit's fault. Not my fault. I was misled, you see. Poor old me, dumb sheep. <laughs> no, 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 no. You architected that outcome. You didn't want the truth. You chose that place. You chose that person knowing that there's a built-in excuse you think you have. Does that make sense? People do it all the time. They don't get convicted, and they also have, show up with an excuse in the end. Here's a sad, sad truth that I've learned after over a decade in the ministry of active ministry. I've been in the ministry for a lot longer than a decade. Up here on the board, why not the truth? A lot of people want to be lied to because they've been deceived into thinking that their life will be easier. They say, go ahead and lie to me. Just, I will pay you handsomely to lie to me. Joel Osteen, anyone? 50,000 people on a Sunday? 50,000? And he's a liar. He won't even defend Christ. People are giving like buku bucks. The guy's like a bazillionaire. Which to me is wrong anyways, but that's a whole other story. So just put that into perspective. People are willing to pay handsomely to have someone lie to them. Does that make sense? Yeah. A lot of people want to be lied to because they've been deceived into thinking that their life will be easier. So as you're looking at the landscape of your own lives, be careful of the deceitfulness of sin. That sounds like a series I taught. That's the number two series. In my book, it's the number two series I've taught. The first is the gospel reload, and the second was deceitfulness of sin. If you're ever going to revisit a series or a series or two, start with the gospel and then do the deceitfulness of sin. So start with, after you look at the landscape of your own life, start with cleaning house. 
of all the so-called, and I use that, excuse me, that term loosely, all the so-called friends that you have that could care less about Jesus. That makes zero sense to, a, to me. I don't know. I don't know how, if it makes sense to you. But anybody who would choose to hang out with someone that could care less about Jesus Christ and do that habitually. I'm not saying to try to get them to be saved and don't play that game either. Oh, I'm dating them because I'm trying to save them. You're an idiot. Who in the world, in their right mind, would ever do that? Um, go to 2 Corinthians 6.14. Second, if you want to invite trouble into your life, do that thing. Stop befriending the world. I mean, it's not like the Bible says that if you befriend the world that you're an enemy of God or anything. <laughs> Isn't that scripture? I think so. That is bizarre, but it's symptomatic. It's symptomatic of someone who does not want to be faced with the light. It's why folks that stand up for Christ, in general, nobody's perfect, but as a lifestyle, as a habit, nowadays have very few friends. Because there's not many of us, at least in this area. It feels like we're all concentrated in, on Chestnut Street in Dighton. <laughs> in some, you don't get that? I'm not saying, I'm not being exclusive or weird like that. I'm just saying, like, percentage-wise, I mean, this is... This is like a, if there was such a thing as a, you know what a heat map is? Like if there was such thing as a heat map, right? It shows hot spots where hot, this would be like red hot. This little church would be like glowing red. And everything else would be like blue, you know what I'm getting at? We, we are a hot spot of, of a love for Christ, for truth, for abiding. Uh, just get used to it. That's one of the reasons I'm having that thing on. Right now it's June 12th, so keep it in your schedule. At my house, is that we got to take advantage of this. Second Corinthians 6.14 Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? That's a good question. Or what fellowship has light with darkness? That's a rhetorical question. Obviously, zero. Right? I mean, that's the whole point. What fellowship has light with darkness? Zero. What accord? Right? Well, in other words, what harmony, what synergy has Christ with Belial? Reference even to the devil, right? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? Like, if, if walking or talking or sharing time is like eating a meal together... Like, what are we, we're not even dining on the same thing. Like, isn't that, isn't that a hoax almost? Isn't that just completely false? Like, an unbeliever and a believer, we don't even have the same appetites. Like, we don't have the same means of nourishment. Like, we don't break bread together. What portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? The answer is none. 
So I think a lot of us have to really step back and say, well, who do I spend my time with? Start with matters closest to you and work your way outwards from there. Does that make sense? Start close. If you're going to root out darkness, if you're going to try to separate yourself from things or situations, and especially people that drag you back into darkness experientially, learn to cleave them out. You're not trying to evangelize them or just show them a general you know, care and love for them, maybe their family, whatever. Then you need to cleave them out in terms of fellowshipping with them in that way. Because there is no portion, there's no intersection. We're new creatures. We don't even eat the same food anymore, spiritually. And that's what Paul was writing there. He's like, well, there is no intersection here. And if you expect anything good to come of that kind of relationship, then you have to refer to other scripture that says that now you've become an enemy of God if you go that route. Because you can't lift them up into the light. That's the point, right? They would have to abandon darkness. They would have to believe in Christ. They would yada, yada, yada. The only thing that can happen experientially is you go back to the darkness. You stop walking in the light experientially. That's what happens. You lose. You lose. That's the point. So start with matters closest to you and work your way outwards from there starting with you, then your closest friends, and so on. And figure out where darkness is and cut yourself off from it. The Bible says that the days are short. That's what the Bible says. And we are to live as if Jesus Christ were going to come this very day to claim his own out of this world at the rapture of the church. That's how we're supposed to live. As if Jesus Christ was going to come tonight and take his bride with him. How did you live your last day? Well, I spent it with a bunch of unbelievers. How did you live your last day? Well, I spent it distracting myself willingly. Well, and you, you can fill in the blanks. Go to 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 1. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 1. First Thessalonians 5, 1. <clears throat> so we have to be on guard. We have to be vigilant. Verse 1, Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. In other words, you don't know when all this is over. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you are not in the darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all light, or children of light, children of the day. 
We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then, let us not sleep as, as others do, but let us keep awake and sober. The world is very intoxicating, is it not? Isn't it easy, isn't it easy to blow like three hours in front of that sewer pipe flat screen? Right? You just kind of like go like, you just kind of like just click and you're just like, ooh. Right? You get your arm, and they make furniture so comfortable now, right? It's like, ugh. And you just sit there and you veg out, right? And you just pass the time. You're intoxicated with this relationship you have with media. And Satan's done a really good job of, you know, being a pusher. He's like a drug dealer. Oh, you want some more? Look at that. Another free episode on Amazon. And it gives you like five seconds. Next episode will play in five, four, three. And you're like, oh, that's too late. Guess I'm here for another 25. <laughs> right? Fair enough. Right? You're intoxicated. And the world specializes in it. It makes it so easy just to sit there. You don't even have to. It used to be in the old days, you'd have to like, click something or they just do everything three two one next episode next thing you know you just you binge watch like eight episodes of i don't know what's happening (laughs) brendan anybody (laughs) right remember that good times jefferson's three stooges all the women are like no 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 I don't know what the deal is with Three Stooges. Only men watch it. It's the weirdest thing, right? Only men. Every woman I've ever been with has watched Three Stooges. That's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. And all the guys are on the floor. I don't, I don't understand it. I digress. Let us keep awake and be sober. Verse 7. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. And that's precisely what I'm doing right now. I'm building you up. You're building me up. Right? That's why I said what I said about these three kids over here. I shouldn't call them kids, but teens, middle, you know. They encourage me. Right? They're like, you don't encourage me. (laughs) One of them's like, nope. I'm like, come on, give me a break over there. Right? I get it. But that's exactly what I'm doing right now. My job is to build you up. I'm serving you right now. This is my job. I'm serving. I'm a waiter. That's the best I'll ever be. And I'm glad about that because I definitely don't want to be the cook. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. As the Spirit began with this evening, this is a practical issue, my friends, not just an academic one. So here's a quick review of our labor so far this evening up here on the board. 
Remember earlier, ignoring the truth never changes it. You're better off facing the truth head on and dealing with the consequences, whether good or bad. You're better off. Just say, okay, I want the truth. I'll accept the truth. Whatever the truth is, I'll live with it. Why? Up here on the board, light shines into darkness. Light always wins. Light always wins. You stick with the light, you win. If you are deceived, even if you don't know exactly how, then just keep taking in the light. Don't quit. The word in any darkness and you will be exposed and defeated. Assuming you remain humble in receiving said truth. By the way, walk the walk as well up here on the board. Don't be bulimic in this sense, spiritually speaking. It's not enough to consume and even enjoy the meals you receive from this ministry. If you vomit the truth out of you, as soon as you leave this church, you gain nothing but increased responsibility to the Lord for what you've been taught. And so that challenging question came up, up here on the board. Why would you ever want to be distracted from the truth in the first place? Seems like the greatest thing since sliced bread, right? I mean, give me the truth. The truth always wins. The light always wins. I benefit. I'm blessed. Why would you ever want to be distracted from that? Some people say, well, the truth is too difficult, a pill to swallow. Unless in doing that we call God a liar. But we have scripture, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, the Amplified again up here on the board. No temptation, regardless of its source, has overtaken or enticed you that it is not common to human experience, nor is any temptation unusual or beyond human resistance, but God is faithful to his word he is compassionate and trustworthy, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability to resist. But along with the temptation he has in the past and is now, and will always provide the way out as well, so that you will be able to endure it without yielding and will overcome temptation with joy. Regardless of what the Bible says, people persist in playing games and getting caught in the deceitfulness of sin up here on the board. Why not the truth? Well, a lot of people want to be lied to because they've been deceived into thinking that their life will be easier. Right? The world is very opportunistic. You have to understand that. The world is very opportunistic. It's just waiting around for you to make this kind of excuse to get you in a situation where you're a little discouraged or you're weary. And then it brings in an, a counterfeit, an alternative. Well, I see that you're a little weary hanging out with Jesus, so why don't I give you this alternative? I see that you're growing tired. Why don't I give you this other option? Right? And that's what the world specializes in. It lulls you right in. Right? Here's some sound advice on that point, though. Go to Isaiah 5.20. Isaiah 5, verse 20. Isaiah 5.20. So we have some advice on that point on the board. Isaiah 5, verse 20. I cannot believe We're almost out of time. I have like five minutes. Isaiah 5.20. So, 
the Bible has something to say about the point on the board that some people want to be lied to because they think life is going to get easier if they live in darkness. True, the world will leave you alone, but what does the Bible say? Isaiah 5.20, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and shrewd in their own sight. That just reminded me of all that architecting outcomes that I talked about earlier. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and shrewd in their own sight. See, I'll just live this life where I can architect outcomes and claim, you know, plausible deniability. I'll get really good at all that and I'll call it light when it's really darkness. And a lot of this message this evening is to refute the false pretense your own flesh is offering you. That you just can't face the truth because the truth is too difficult to handle. The human flesh will always give you that as an out. Say, geez, I think you should, I think you should quit this ride. I think you should ask the, you know, ask to get off this ride. Get off this train. This train's way too painful. This train is this train is turning over stones that, man, we never wanted to be turn over. We never want those stones to be turned over. Yeah, we'll go to church and get some of them turned over, but we don't want that one turned over because that one is like a beehive. That's like a hornet's nest in my life. I turn that one over, it's painful. That one's been hidden away in the skeleton closet for like 30 years. And the truth is like, okay, you ready? Let's turn that bad Larry over. Let's see what's under that rock. Whoa, right? The flesh will always give you an out. Say, so that's, that's too much. We're not ready for that. Oh, that's the biggest stinking lie I've ever heard. What do you mean you're not ready? So God accidentally showed you something in your life that you weren't ready for? When Holy Scripture says you'll be able to handle it? By the power of God? What do you mean you're not ready? There's no such thing. As you're not ready. If the truth reveals something to you, you ready? Drum roll. You're ready. Why is there twitching going on? When Body language is everything, people. People start squirming. And that's what I know that that's what they've been doing themselves. When people start squirming. Like, oh man, here we go. Right? You, that's undeniable truth. If God has shown you something and you see it, then you are ready to deal with it. So says God. He wouldn't have shown it to you otherwise. Some of you have been going decades. I'm not ready. And God's like, still got the light on, right? I'm not ready. And he's like, I wouldn't show it to you if you didn't have the strength to get through it. But just saying, as long as you reject what I'm showing you, reject what I'm trying to work out in you, reject my sanctification of you, you will stay stuck in that area and you will suffer. And even though you think you're getting off lighter, it's a heavier burden on you. Think about that. If someone's been living with something for 30 years, isn't that long enough? 
You follow what I'm getting at? Like, isn't it long enough? And if God says it at year 10, okay, you're ready, lights on. And that person persists for 20 more years, saying, I'm not ready, I'm not ready, I'm not, I can't deal with it. I can't look at myself, I can't deal with it. Who's losing out? You could have been delivered from that 20 years ago. You just had to rip the Band-Aid off. You just had to come clean. You just had to humbly accept the truth about yourself, your life, your decisions, your whatever it is that you think you're hiding out on. Wherever it is that you're hiding in the corner in the darkness. You just, just rip the Band-Aid off, man. You might be surprised what God will do with you. Probably have a party for some of you. Again, that is a lie. To believe even for one second that you can't handle the truth is a lie from the pit of hell. It's a lie from the pit of hell. You can handle the truth. And if God shows it to you, He promises to support you through whatever it means to get through it. He promises. And so whatever that thing is you've been sitting on all these years, I guess what the Spirit's saying is cope with it. Like trust God. Amen? All right, we're out of time. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for giving us this opportunity to trust you, to believe in you, to take in your word, to relish it, to digest it, to walk in it, Father. We're so grateful to your grace, your mercy, and your love. We just ask for blessings as we take the things we've learned back to the privacy of our own souls. We ask this in Jesus Christ's precious name. By the power of the Spirit, we do pray. Amen. Thank you.